The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Borahay Army and fellow music fans, I'm Kayla. And I'm Bethany, and we're the hosts of Standing BTS from the Consequence Podcast Network. We're a bi-weekly show that covers the impact and legacy of K-pop group BTS. We mix the perfect blend of research and fangirl as we take a deep dive into lyrics during album reviews, theorize over music videos, and keep up with their current events. No BTS topic is off limits. We welcome everyone into the conversation, whether you're a casual fan, committed ARMY, or someone who's just curious about one of the biggest music groups in the world. Come chat with us every other Thursday with a new episode wherever podcasts are found. Hello and welcome to The Spark Parade, a show where I geek out with artists and entertainers about the single cultural work that's most inspired them. I'm Adam Onz, at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks so much for joining me this week. I've got a very exciting guest for you, like objectively exciting. I am talking to singer-songwriter Connor Oberst about his love for the classic 90s comedy drama TV show, Northern Exposure. Quite a get, as they say. Uh, Connor and I reflected on the glorious weirdness of Northern Exposure and uh, about how groundbreaking it was in the pre-streaming TV landscape. Sounds pretty exciting, doesn't it? That's because it is. But before we dive into the interview, can I just take a tiny moment to talk about the election? Joe Biden won! Yay! What a fucking relief! This weekend was such a good time to be in New York. I mean, I know this happened in a lot of other places too, but people were literally dancing in the streets. I went to a birthday celebration that coincidentally happened to be on a boat that went straight past the Statue of Liberty, and it made me feel incredibly emotional. But it's good news. There's still a ton of work to do, but things are definitely looking up. That said, we've all got to be vigilant. We've all got to try to break through to people who've been misled and terrified by propaganda and lies on Facebook and other peddlers of misinformation and disinformation. And I think the best hope you have of making that happen is talking to your friends and your relatives, people who voted for Trump. You're not going to convince strangers online and Trying that is a waste of time, but putting in the work with the people you love is totally worth it. In today's chat with Connor, he talks about Northern Exposure being a rare example of a TV show his whole family could agree on. Entertainment can be a great unifier. It's kind of magical when family members with really disparate tastes can find a piece of art or entertainment that they're all really excited about. And that's where the work starts in politics, too. If you've got Trumpy friends and family members, find those areas of political common ground and try to chip away at that wall of nonsense that they're bombarded with on social media every day. It may not work. Some people are too far gone, but the reality is we've just been brought back from the brink of fascism by the skin of our teeth, really. So we've all got to put the work in to try to keep persuading the people who got conned by Trumpism. That said... 
for now, let's all just take a moment to celebrate, too. And as part of that celebration, why don't we listen to this cool interview with Connor Oberst? Some facts about him. Connor Oberst is a singer-songwriter who is perhaps most famous for his work with the band Bright Eyes. Bright Eyes has just released an album called Down in the Weeds, Where the World Once Was, their first album in nearly a decade. Connor has also played in several other bands, including Desperacitos, The Faint, Commander Venus, Connor Oberst and the Mystic Valley Band, Monsters of Folk, and Better Oblivion Community Center. I spoke to Connor about Northern Exposure, some quick facts about that show. It was a quirky television comedy drama that ran from 1990 to 1995 on CBS. In the show, Rob Morrow played New York City native Joel Fleischman, a recently graduated physician who was sent to practice in Anchorage, Alaska for several years to repay the state of Alaska for underwriting his medical education. However, much to his chagrin, he is assigned to the much smaller and remote town of Sicily, Alaska, which is in need of a general practitioner. Other notable characters included Maggie O'Connell, the debutante turned bush pilot, Maurice Minifield, the multimillionaire businessman and former astronaut, and Chris Stevens, the formerly incarcerated, free-spirited local DJ played by John Corbett, pre-Sex in the City. It was an incredible TV show that I loved very much, so it was a real treat to reminisce about it with Connor. So I'll be back at the end of the show with a little cultural recommendation of my own. But now, without further ado, here comes my chat with Connor Oberst about Northern Exposure. Are we we're gonna talk about Northern Exposure? Oh, fantastic. I uh I I love that. I am I hate talking about myself, which is most <laughs> interviews. So this is this is dynamite for me. So great. Cool. Um, let's uh, dig in <laughs> then. <laughs> um, did you watch it when it was first on TV? I, it was definitely going over my head, but my parents liked it and my oldest brother liked it. And so, and they didn't like TV wasn't a big thing in my house. So the fact that they would sit down and I was interested that they, both my oldest brother and my parents enjoyed the same television show. Like, and it was kind of like an event, mm. but, but yeah, you know, I was, you know, whatever I was, I guess 10, 11 when it first came out. So it, yeah, a lot of the subject matter was kind of going over my head, but I associated it with like, co like a comforting feeling of like, Oh, my family wants to do something together. Like yeah. how, how strange is that? You know? <laughs> And then come to find out later on, like, you know, watching it, which one of the things that I think is interesting is like, you can't stream it anywhere. I know. Um, and I think it's because of all the quotes of like the, cause he's always, you know, Chris in the morning is always reading out of the books and they're like the, the music, I think it's just like, mm -hmm. they, they can't, like they can't clear all that shit. So it's just, um, it's like too expensive to stream basically. So I've bought the, you know, the DVDs probably mm -hmm. like three different times in my life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Cause, cause yeah. you can't, that's the only way you can get it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like in uh, preparing for this, I was like, Oh, I'll just watch a couple of episodes. It's like, yeah. Nope, <laughs> yeah. not, not, uh, not a chance. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah. So do you, do you like after seeing it as a kid, do you remember when you came back to it? I guess, probably like early 20s or something I got yeah I think um one of my other brothers gave me it for like 
gave me the DVDs for like a Christmas or birthday or something. Mm. And I like, you know, watched them like on the tour bus. Um, and I was like, this show is incredible. Like the writing's incredible. Like it's, it's, and the fact that it was on network television, like, I know, yeah, it's like bonkers, you know, it's like Fleeney, fucking Woody Allen, whatever. It's like just really highbrow shit for like Tuesday night, you know, yeah. in, in Omaha television, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know this is something that everybody talks about when they talk about Northern Exposure, but the fact that it was on at the same time as Twin Peaks and that they, to, to me, in my mind, like I'm a huge Twin Peaks fan as well. Yeah. And they were kind of like two sides of the same coin. Like obviously Twin Peaks is much more abstract and yeah. weird and fucked up and like scarier. Yeah. Um, but both of those things, being on network TV, especially on ABC and CBS, which yeah. I've always thought of as really conservative networks. Sure. Um, yeah, it, it pretty, pretty amazing for 1990. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it blows my mind. And like, you know, obviously now there's, you know, a million streaming things and, you know, whatever, HBO, et cetera, et cetera. But like, yeah, the fact that I mean, you know, I live in Los Angeles now and I have friends that work in television and the fact that that could get green lighted you know what i mean like can you yeah. imagine like that like watch the pilot episode and be like yeah we'll give you six seasons of this on abc or whatever like i don't right. even know what, what what it was on but yeah it's like that's that's insane like yeah that would never i don't think that would ever happen yeah and i'm like you know it's like you said now basically anything can on TV because there's right. so many so many venues, yeah. there's so many uh, networks and streaming services and whatever. But it was at a time when the barrier to entry for TV was so high. And totally. thinking of something this weird and yeah, just like totally out there, not only that it was allowed to be on TV, but that it really caught on and that everybody loved it. It yeah. was this like incredible, incredible thing. It's amazing. It's also like my first, I feel like my first... Um, or one of my first kind of introductions into like New York, which I lived in New York for 13 years. Eventually, mm -hmm. you look like you're in New York. Are you yeah. in New York? Okay, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, eventually I moved to New York, but I remember, um, you know, all the flashbacks where Joel's going back to New York and he wants to get the bagels and all that. And I just remember like being like, wow, New York seems so exotic. I didn't, you know, I didn't go there till I was probably... 17 or something but like that is formed like you know a weird impression of new york to me like because he's always wants to go back to new york and he keeps mm -hmm. getting like foiled like he's like every time he's got a trip planned like oh there's like an epidemic in the town yeah. and he can't yeah, go yeah. home and, but he just like wants to go back so bad um so that was kind of formative and then i will say like you know not to get weird but uh you know like uh, Maggie was probably like one of my first feelings of like, oh, I have a strange sensation when I look at this lady. <laughs> like she's uh, she I just thought she was so cool and beautiful. Turns out that unfortunately Janine Turner, Turner is like a crazy like Trumper. You know this? No. Yeah, she's like a fucking like the act like the actual person is gnarly, which is like it's so fucked up because in the show it's like she's the you know the liberal democrat 
yeah. you know, and Joel's the like, you know, conservative, whatever. Um, but yeah, in real life, and she's kind of never done anything. Like, I think she was in like the like new version of like leave it, leave it to beaver or something uh-huh. like in like, yeah, like yeah. the, in like the two thousands. But outside of that, she's kind of, ne- so that, that was kind of heartbreaking for me to realize that yeah, at an older, yeah. I was like, Maggie O'Connell is like a Trumper. Like what yeah. the fuck? You know, cause yeah. she was like my first crush. That really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, they, um, just this week on Monday, Vulture have moved like Vulture Fest online this year, and they did a reunion for um, the cast of really uh, Northern Exposure. No and shit. And watching her talk about it, I mean, I guess it's one of those things that like when you're an actor and you're you know part of a panel, you're not going to say. And by the way, let's talk right. about uh, you know putting kids in cages. But um, she. Uh, yeah, it just seemed really like engaged and. Yeah. I gotta watch that. That's that's yeah. amazing. I mean, I think Rob Morrow is a sick actor. That's another guy. I'm like, mm. what? You know, he did like quiz show afterwards, but yeah, he hasn't re- like. I think he's like a theater guy. Like, I think he like is in like plays all the time or something. But yeah, there was some a TV show called Numbers that I never watched. That he was in. The B is a three. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what it was yeah. about, but yeah. he did that. Um, but, you know, uh, John Corbett um, yeah, yeah. is like everywhere. Totally. Yeah, he had the he had the most like successful career, I feel like, post that show, you know. Yeah. And he's yeah. great in that show. I mean, Chris in the Morning, baby, like that's yeah. fun, you yeah. know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like I uh, I thought that that character and Maggie were both so cool and that 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 was the thing that i thought was interesting as well that it's like this guy coming from new york which is like ostensibly the cool place Uh and he comes to this really small town in the middle of nowhere and he's like kind of the uptight geeky like totally uh nebbish and Uh um the the townies are the ones who really are switched on yeah yeah it's a it's an interesting i mean there's so many things about it that are like it's just so well written like that's Mm -hmm. it's yeah, it blows my mind, like, how, yeah, just how well-written it is, um, you know, for for television. It's crazy. Yeah, especially with characters like Chris and um, Ed mm-hmm. being kind of, like, pop culture obsessives and really having this, like, encyclopedic knowledge of um, poetry and film and, and mm-hmm. all this stuff and throwing in all these really dense references into this, again, like, you know, primetime TV show. And people weren't phased. It was just yeah. like, you know, it was an asset. Yeah. Um, uh, they were also talking on this, uh, a different panel discussion that I saw about how difficult it was to like research all that stuff because it was pre-internet. So it was like yeah. going to the library and digging through books and yeah. Yeah. Totally. And that's, yeah, I think, again, that's why they they can't stream it is because if you if you watch those episodes between the music and between, you know, Chris is always reading out of a very famous book, you know, every time. So I imagine like, yeah, the the publishing would be just insane to yeah. to pay for all that. So you can't like you're going to pay like t.s Eliot's estate you know and like, right. and, like right. and like you know whatever and the music's so cool like mm-hmm. tons of like interesting weird picks but then also like there'll be like a you know ccr song or whatever you know there'll just be stuff that's like 
that would, I, I mean, I'm sort of familiar with like what publishing costs and yeah. that would be expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably the biggest thing as well because just like music licensing, it was at yeah. a time when, you know, thinking about like the BC Boys making Paul's Boutique or something like that where it's yeah. like albums like that can't exist in the same way anymore. Yeah. It's just too expensive. Yeah. Um, but they are, they or they have been on and off talking about reviving it um, like do, doing a new version, which is like kind of interesting to me, but I just, I want to see the, the real show. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, have you, have you ever, so you haven't watched the whole thing? I, I saw it when uh, it was on TV and uh-huh. like that, I think that's, that's the last time. Cause All right. um, well, I want to uh, get you, I'm going to get your address and I'm going to, I'm going to send you a DVD <laughs> box set. It comes, it comes in like a fun, like, you know, like I, or at least one of the ones I got was like, uh, you know, it looks like a, I don't know, like a little like backpack from Alaska kind of oh, thing. Cool. And uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll send it to you. It's really fun. It's like, it's also like there, you know, it's kind of like comfort food too for me where it's just mm-hmm. like, it's so like easy going and like, you know, no one ever like, you know, well, I shouldn't say no one ever dies because all of Maggie's boyfriends die, yeah, which yeah, is hilarious. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but in general, like nothing bad happens. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like it's just kind of like they all, you know, it, it kind of ends. I mean, I guess that's the sitcom part of it where it's like it ends like kind of nice, you know, like there'll be like a little problem and then everyone becomes friends at the end, you know, even Maurice, like, you know, who's kind of like the bad guy. But but he's not even that big of a bad guy. He's like right. just he's just like the rich guy in town, you know. Yeah, yeah, and he's like maybe a little bit conservative, and having the, like different kinds of people all living in this town, who there's like conflict, but it's not ever. It doesn't ever uh, extend beyond like you know an episode's worth of drama, and then so, it's resolved. Um, but just kind of having a, an atmosphere where everybody works past their differences and you know i think joel especially when he first moves there has a hard time just being in that environment but everybody who is there is really warm and welcoming and like regardless of who they are they want him to be there um so it's this kind of like in in amongst all of the kind of quirkiness and the weirdness it it has such a big heart yeah totally yeah I, i think like all the characters are so um yeah they're like so well written and like you know, like Shelly, like being like, like whatever, like hockey fangirl. And like, you know, like I remember one episode, she's like, uh, you know, she gets obsessed with like buying stuff off the television, you know, like yeah, late night, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's like, it's like, that's one of the dramas, but then she kind of gets cured from her, uh, like basically television shopping. Um, by the end of it but yeah they're all very very like endearing Marilyn I mean they're all awesome all yeah. the characters and it is such a testament to how good the writing is and how amazing that show was that you know watching these panel discussions and reading articles about it just seeing like one sentence descriptions of specific episodes like oh yeah oh my god yeah, yeah. and t- like totally have these vivid memories yeah. of watching it um yeah. also just like getting into the kind of weirdness of it I think that was another thing that was really like I was saying with, you know, the kind of Twin Peaks connection, whatever, but just like yeah. all the dream sequences and the totally. kind of magical realist stuff that for the most part, it was 
pretty, you know, conversational standard. Like, um, it wasn't like people were turning into animals in every episode or something, but, um, enough episodes that would be just like completely surreal. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really loved that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Surreal is a good, a good word for it. It's like they, yeah. And I feel like they did a great job of kind of walking the tightrope of like, how do we, you know, bring in these sort of highbrow discussions or imagery or ideas, but then make it palatable for like America to watch, you know, right. it's like, that's the real genius of it. It's like that you don't really see that very often. Yeah. And kind of dipping a toe in the water, slowly seeing like what people will tolerate in this kind of, you know, conventional structure of a kind of dramatic comedy, you know, primetime show. Yeah. And having people respond really well to it, infusing more and more of that weird shit into it um, uh, as they saw that it worked. Yeah. And I think like the ending is so amazing where, you know, Joel eventually like goes and like like the last season I, I kind of read some I like did like a deep dive like at some point because I was like curious but I think that Rob Morrow was like trying to get out of his contract or whatever like he was like over it mm-hmm. and so they basically like wrote him out of like the last season or like he's only in like a few episodes because he like yeah. basically goes and lives with like the Native American tribe and like fully like immerses himself in like a completely different culture than what he was always trying to get back to, obviously in New York. But like the arc of that, 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 the fact that it ends that way is so cool. You know, and yeah. they, have, they have to get like a different doctor in the town. And um, yeah, he's like fully goes like off grid, off the map. And it's just such a fascinating choice for like that character to be like, that's where he ends up at the end of it is it's just like living in the woods and right you know it's like it's badass yeah 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 um he uh was uh asking for his salary to be doubled oh, is that what so it was that's they, they said <laughs> nope yeah <laughs> um yeah I, I think it yeah it had something to do with that because it was definitely like writ- you could tell it was like it's like how are you gonna take the main character out of the show right now but right uh, right yeah so yeah was it Anthony Edwards who there's like the kind of uh, doctor who uh, is like comes in later and yeah, 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 yeah. You know, never leaves the house. And oh, well, like a, a, he that's a different character. That's not the doctor that they replaced Joel with a different doctor. But yes, I know the character you're talking about um, who Maggie like falls in love with. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. Who lives in like the bubble. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's like. I don't know what his, I, I think he's like a scientist or something. Yeah. He's like, mm-hmm. a, he's like a weird, he's like obsessed with like, um, environmental like issues. So he's yeah. like, he's like, he's, yeah, he's, he's simultaneously like thinks he's getting sick from the environment, but then he'll go and like, you know, whatever, like protest, like whaling or go like, you know, go to like, actual like antarctica and like you know do something like he's always like basically like leaving maggie to like go save the planet yeah essentially um but yeah she's that's the only boyfriend she has that she doesn't kill though or that doesn't die (laughs) 
Yeah. Because she yeah, has like yeah. six other ones that die. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. Just also thinking of like that that character in particular, but I think all, all of the characters in the show that you have this kind of seed of something that could be like a stock character, like, you know, the hot woman in the town who there's that kind of like, will they or won't they thing happening for, uh, you know, the first few seasons. And that happens in a lot of TV shows. But when you start with this character who's like, a former debutante who like decided that she didn't want to do that anymore. And she like, you know, shaves her head and moves to Alaska and is yeah. like, you know, yeah, is she, she's a pilot, isn't she? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, she's um, like Amelia Earhart essentially. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I uh, like, like I said, like that was like one of my first like crushes ever because mm-hmm. I, was, I was like, I was like, Oh my God, she's like, well, she's obviously such a babe. She's very attractive, but then, yeah, she's got like short hair and she like she's like a bush pilot in in Alaska, you know, it's like and she's like a crazy like feminist liberal like I was just like, oh, like I didn't even know, you know, I was like 11 years old, but I was like I think I'm in love with this woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it got that kind of stuff bleeds into all the other characters too. Like everybody has a, a backstory that's like complicated and you know uh hauling and, and shelly being a couple when he's like you know Seven. whatever 50 years older than yeah. she is or something totally it should be creepy but it's like super endearing totally. you know it's yeah. like and then yeah there's like the the storyline of how like maurice basically like brought her to town yeah as like his like little trophy wife and right. then fell in love with like his best friend who's not rich, who just like right. owns the bar. So it's kind of like true love or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, there's so many things like that that are just rad when you think about like, how did, how did you cram all of this into, well, I guess it ran a long time, but like seven, yeah. six, seven seasons or something like that. Yeah. But still, like, I think a lot of those relationships were there right from the beginning and having yeah. that foresight to say, we want to start with this foundation of like all of these really super complicated relationships, but having everybody pretty much get along and having it be like this very weird, but totally harmonious kind of microcosm of all the weirdness in the world in this yeah. really tiny town in Alaska. Yeah. I've not, I've never, I've actually, until you said that I've never really um, thought of the comparison to twin peaks, but you're right. It's like, it's like, Twin Peaks, but with all like the darkness sucked out of it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's like just like the light version of that. Like it's like the happy version of, you know, yeah. of Twin Peaks. But yeah, yeah, the the fact that they both, I didn't really realize that they, I guess they, yeah, they were on at the same time. Or was Twin Peaks mm-hmm. like a little before that, or they were yeah. on at the same Twin time? Twin Peaks was the spring of 1990, and then Northern Exposure started in the summer, and okay. then their second seasons were on at the same okay. time. Damn. Um, and Twin uh, Northern Exposure like references Twin Peaks in one of the episodes in the first season too. So uh-huh. there's like a dream sequence that's kind of like uh, nodding towards uh, Twin Peaks. Uh-huh. But it's also like another comparison is like the idea that it's this fish out of water, like big city guy totally. coming to a small town. Yeah. Um, that it is in uh, at the basis level, kind of the, the yeah. same premise. And um, it's populated by like these quirky, weird people. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I that's true. I never really I've like tons of I, I I'm obviously I like Twin Peaks, but um, 
I have like friends that are like so dedicated, obsessed with it. And I never, mm-hmm. I never really had that with Twin Peaks, but I should watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also getting back to the ending or at least like what, what happens with Joel, that kind of like, it's it's a little unclear exactly where what he's going to do. Like he's just kind of going off into the wilderness, um, and it's like playing against the idea of what you would think he would do, which is just go straight back to New York. Yeah. Um, and there's something about that open endedness. It was uh, uh, David Simon who did uh, yeah yeah um, the Sopranos and stuff. Yeah yeah. He yeah. was the showrunner for the last two seasons of Northern Exposure. What really? Yeah, Shit, I so, didn't know that. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah, because yeah, he did uh, Treme and uh, did he do Treme the New Orleans one? I think uh, he, I think he did that. Oh, after. Wait, David Chase. David Chase. Okay, that's it. Okay. So never yeah. mind. Okay. The, it is Dave, David Chase is the guy who created The Sopranos, and he did the last two seasons okay. of. Um, of uh, no. Northern Exposure. Amazing. David Simon did The Wire and Treme okay. and uh, The Deuce and all that okay. stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. David somebody. <laughs> it's all David and me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like thinking about the end of The Sopranos as well, where it's that same kind of like the the dreaminess of uh, yeah. the like uncertainty of exactly what's going on and um, kind of open-endedness. Yeah, people like hated that ending. But I thought it was like brilliant, like the end of the Sopranos. I was like, I was like, wow, yeah. you you drug us through all this, and this is how it ends. Um, like yeah. where it just like cuts to black, like he's like on the hotel bed or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like what like talk about like a bold choice. Like we always yeah. talk about that in music, where we're like, um, you know, when you're mixing a song, it's like if you make you can make like sort of you know milk toast decisions the whole time but if you make like a bold choice like you're like okay we're gonna make the keyboard just loud as shit you know like way too loud you know but then all of a sudden that's the hook of the song or that like you have to like be willing to make those kind of choices to make something interesting or Mm -hmm. if you're if you're always trying to balance everything and make it like you know normal or acceptable you kind of you don't end up doing really anything cool you know which is right i like i like that 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 right. exists in like film and uh television like other art forms yeah and also like ba- balancing out with something like northern exposure giving people what they want doing something that is really popular has is has broad appeal but trying to subvert expectations constantly so that it's always surprising and always kind of keeping you on your toes totally um yeah i think that's yeah i mean i guess that's just what good art is but yeah that it's cool that it there's a parallel in all these different art forms it's like that's probably what that's what i'm looking for it's probably what you're looking for Mm -hmm. it's probably what a lot of people are looking for it's just like don't do the expected thing. Like do something mm-hmm. a little cooler, like a little more thoughtful, like make it interesting. You know, like that's, right. that's what I think all artists should be like shooting for. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping people on their toes. Um, great. I feel uh, extremely satisfied. This was such a fun chat. Cool. Um, cool. All right. Perfect. All right, all right brother. Thank you so much. This is yeah. so much fun. I really appreciate it. It's great to talk to you. All right. You too. Bye. What a great guy, right? Thanks again to Connor for chatting with me. 
The new Bright Eyes album, Down in the Weeds Where the World Once Was, is out now, so you should stream and download it immediately. Okay, my little inspirational cultural recommendation of the week is maybe a little bit basic, but I don't care. It is The Great British Bake Off, or The Great British Baking Show, depending on your country. Look, I know this isn't a big discovery of mine, but I'm so thankful that the new season is happening right now. It's been such a relief to have a weekly dose of kindness and lightness. It always makes me miss the UK and my family, but for the most part, it's just pure joy. And frankly, that's something that's been in short supply this year. So if you've never watched it, you really should. It'll perk your little day right up. And that's it. As always, if you like this show, please tell your friends about it. Send someone a little text right now. See if you can send it before the end of the episode. It's a race. See? I'm gamifying it for you. Anyway, have a lovely week. Be careful out there. Wear a mask. And don't do anything crazy. I'll be back next week with another great episode for you. Until then, bye. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.